You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with CBS Sports business analyst Joe Corey and Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Colts punter Pat McAfee. Let's say hello to Pat McAfee, the former Colts punter, now conquering our business. He's the king of sports media with Barstool Sports. You can check out the Pat McAfee show here on TuneIn. Pat, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start in Indy since you shined as a punter for the Colts. What did you make of Josh McDaniels backing out of the Colts coaching job to stay in New England? You know what? I think it's such an interesting situation because when you're in the playoffs, and Cordell can attest to this, Whenever you're in the playoffs, your focus is 1,000% on trying to win a Super Bowl, especially with the way the Belichick dictatorship has been run up there. Tom Brady said on Facebook after kissing his kid that if you want to beat him, you're going to have to give up your entire life for it. So a conversation between Belichick, McDaniels, and Kraft never really got to happen. I think some agreements were come to place, but until right after the Super Bowl, which was a terrible loss for them, obviously, I don't think it all got shored up. I'm assuming Josh McDaniels will be the head coach for the Patriots within a couple years, just kind of keep it on moving. So the Colts definitely got the short end of the stick in it all, and it looked bad, but it's an understandable decision whenever you take a step back from it all. And I think I think anybody who understands how focused you have to be to win a Super Bowl can understand that whenever it comes to everything. And now, a side note, real quick. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, okay? I grew up playing Backyard football, street football, telephone pole to telephone pole. And anytime anybody did anything awesome or out of the norm, all we would scream is slash. The fact that I'm getting to talk to Cordell Stewart right now is a beautiful thing, a true legend of the sport, a true legend in the Steelers, kick returner, wide receiver, quarterback. It don't matter. Bill Cowher at the helm, Cordell Stewart making plays. It was a beautiful time to be alive. That's all I got to say about that. That's my guy, Pat. I, I like the sidebar. That was good. But let's stay on track here, Pat. We got to stay on track because we can talk Pittsburgh Steelers football all day. Uh, with staying in Indianapolis, um, think about how Josh McDaniels could have been a phenomenal teaching tool for Andrew Luck, who we've seen since getting the $87 million bucks, hadn't been able to truly stay on the football field. Give me the the hot air balloon type conversation. How much air was taken out of that balloon when we knew Josh McDaniels ended up turning his back on coming there to help Andrew Luck become the quarterback that everyone anticipated him to be? I think with the way McDaniels, his first run at head coaching obviously didn't go as planned, I'd assume. He had a lot of bad players coming out speaking badly about him, so he kind of got a bad rep. But he goes back to New England, and he continues to be this quarterback guru with Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, making magic happen. Maybe he learned some lessons from his first time. He could bring him to Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck, who can carry a team by himself with not a lot of talent. I got a chance to witness that. Who knows if he's healthy or not. But whenever you think about the mastermind that McDaniels truly is, if you start gifting all of the Patriots offense success to him in recent years, which you can and a lot of people have done, I think hopes were very high with McDaniel's brain getting back here in Indianapolis, which is a fan base that didn't really love football that much. Peyton Manning comes in, puts them all in their head, takes them on the winningest decade in NFL history. I get a chance to, to be in the tail end of that. Football was just a 
hugely fanatical thing here in Indianapolis. Another regime came in. The head guy of the regime, Grigson, wasn't very much a fan favorite. It was kind of a couple underwhelming season after early success. Fans kind of started losing faith in the whole Colts operation. Josh McDaniels is back on board. Here we go. Greatness is coming again. We got Andrew Luck hopefully healthy after his shoulder surgery 14 months months ago. Let's keep it moving. Chris Ballard's a good brain. And then, this is obviously a speed bump to that whole thing, but I believe with Chris Ballard's brain, who I appreciate and respect, I think he'll be able to find a good head coach. And I think if we just get back to winning in here, Indianapolis Colts fans cannot wait to get back on board the coach train. And I'm excited for that as a person who still lives in Indianapolis and loves this city. Chatting with Pat McAfee. Check out the Pat McAfee Show streaming here on TuneIn. It is highly entertaining. Pat, I can't justify what Josh McDaniels did. On this program, we've called him anything from duplicitous to unprofessional. But do you buy a theory out there that maybe he had a moment of clarity, woke up and said, why am I leaving New England? Plus, do I really want to work for Jim Irsay, who can be erratic or, on a big word Friday, mercurial? What was your experience like working for Jim Irsay? There's a couple of things here. I have no idea what duplicitous means or that other word you use. It's a Roger Thesaurus Friday on the program, Pat. I'm trying to educate the young people who don't read anymore. Yeah, your diction is fantastic. I I, I mean, that is just absolutely incredible there. You need to go. You do the dictionary.com word of the day thing. And, boy, that was really beautiful you just did right there. I honestly believe, and I alluded to this at the beginning, Josh McDaniels, I assume he agreed to something. The Colts went and went all in with a press conference. It's an entire day was scheduled. They had lunch scheduled for his wife. Like, they went all in with this. I assume at some point the mistake McDaniels made was that he said yes. But you can't fault him for the fact that during the playoffs, it's a laser focus type thing. So he never got to talk to Kraft. He never got to talk to Belichick about his future. Never got a chance to be like, hey, what's going on here? Like, is there a chance for me to become a head coach here at any time? That conversation didn't happen until after the Super Bowl loss. So I think really the only duplicitous thing he did, if I'm using that word right, was potentially lead the coach just a little bit astray. But you can understand it whenever you don't really have a chance to talk to your current situation about the future because of how busy you are. I think the playoffs are such a tough thing to navigate through when you're either trying to find a head coach or trying to become a head coach. It's a very tricky subject to deal with your focus levels because if you lose and you're doing this, you feel like you let your entire team down. I just think it was terrible timing, an awkward situation. Josh McDaniels will be the head coach of the Patriots at some point, and the Colts hopefully will find somebody good too. And I have no clue what that word is that you use still. I still have no idea what the hell that means. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have to deal with it every day. Don't worry about it, Pat. You're doing fine. At least you try to, at least you try to slide it into what you were saying very Yeah, Cordell uh, really just ignores good. me, Pat, and you can do likewise. <laughs> hey, let's make Cordell feel better. What was your favorite memory of Cordell Stewart growing up? Uh, you know what? It, there's so many. It, it really, as somebody who grew, I was born in 1987. So, like, my my dad is a diehard Yenzer. He's a Steeler fan Ooh. through and through. My, my family, I'm talking the whole thing. So, whenever you saw Bill Carr and Cordell Stewart take the field, it was just an electric few years there of just happiness because you never knew what was going to happen. Cordell could make a play out of nothing. And that was just something that was so electric, so respected across the 
city, across the community. And the fact that he's doing this show now with a guy who's using these big-ass words, yeah. I just find it absolutely amazing. Pat, I'm going for counter-programming from Barstool. I'm, I'm just trying to appeal to people who want a couple, and write this one down, polysyllabic words in the afternoon. See, that that's that's that that's that Stanford education. Tell him, you, you know. It, it, Andrew Walk went to Stanford. We're not all bad. It's, it, it, yeah, it, he's it, the it, least relatable human on earth. <laughs> that guy is the least relatable human on earth. But he's a hell of a quarterback, and he's a really nice person. Well, I got to so follow up there. Hang on. What makes him so unrelatable? He, he still has a flip phone. Yeah, he still I'm has saying, a flip phone. You Stanford, you Stanford people. Now, Zach Ertz is a Stanford guy. Right. He was on my show yesterday. He, they thought Toby Fleener, friend of mine, Griff Whalen, friend of mine. But whenever you get to those super brains, like you humans, it's very tough to relate to your interests uh, because you just have such a better view of, like, smart stuff than anybody else. And Andrew Luck is very, he's not very relatable to guys like me. He and I never had a great conversation where we dug deep into our same things, but he's a very nice guy. He reads a lot of books. He has a book club. He has a flip phone. He's an incredible quarterback. It's tough to be relatable, which is what Barstool is. We're just trying to be relatable for the common man, by the common man, not the super super intelligent people who win ESPN spelling championships. That's a whole different world. Well, that won't win you games, Pat. That's for sure. We know that won't win you football <laughs> games, nor keep you healthy. But with saying that, knowing that he, this organization really needs someone, would you say it's a complete letdown knowing that you could uh, could have gotten a coach that, that that's coached the, the best to ever do it, to coach with the, one of the best that ever did it, and, and Bill Belichick. Is it somewhat of a letdown as you move forward to try to find the next candidate to become the head coach of the Indianapolis coach? I think, honestly, with the way Indianapolis is, and I think every city outside of New England for the last decade, New England Patriots are the least favorite team, just like the Yankees were, just like the Lakers were. Winning breeds envy and breeds hate. I mean, that's just how it is. You go to any city that's in the AFC, their least favorite team is probably the New England Patriots. So Indianapolis is no different, especially with the run with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. We've had a lot of losses, a lot of wins over the Patriots. It was a good little rivalry there for a while. So I think all this did is just heighten the hatred for New England. And if you take a, if you look at it from like a complete strategic standpoint, getting a brain out of New England would be great for everybody because it's making New England Patriots worse. But not a lot of Belichick uh, disciples have that great of a winning success because that type of culture that Belichick demands up there is not one that if you don't win immediately is going to be one that's going to be able to withstand. You can't just make everybody's life miserable and lose. In the modern instant gratification society we're in right now, that's just not going to be able to withstand. So I think although McDaniels is a genius, although he has done very good things for New England Patriots, I don't believe that the next coach who comes here, it could be Frank Reich, who was a quarterback coach here when I was a rookie. He was my first quarterback coach. I was third string. People forget that. But it's one of those things where I don't think the Colts fans are going to be that upset, like that much of a letdown, because now their hatred for New England is just that much more. Pat McAfee's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Last one for me. Pat, I know you're going to find this stunning. I have absolutely no athletic ability. That's why I wanted to become a sportscaster and use big words. You are a renaissance man. You have actual talent. Why did you gravitate towards being a punter? Well, I, so I played soccer, and I was supposed to be a soccer player for a long time, as most kickers and punters are. I had more colleges looking at me for soccer than I did for football. But whenever I realized that I could just kick a ball far and only take like three steps 
instead of having to take like run seven miles in a soccer game. I just went with that. I wanted to be rich in America, not rich in Europe. And my dad and I just worked our butts off. Uh, we figured it out. And I've always had really good friends that are quarterbacks, running backs, linebackers. I've never been an outcast in the locker room because I have a competitive mindset. A lot of the old school kickers didn't have that competitive mindset. They were just there to do their job and keep it moving. But for me, it's just I had a rocket attached to my hip, and I was able to take advantage of it. I had great coaches, and I got a chance to play in the NFL, live a dream, and take care of my my entire family and friends, which is what it's all about. And now you're friends with Cordell Stewart, so you're living the dream. I'll tell you what, that'd be not, I became friends with John Daly earlier this year. That was a big move for me. But That's the fact bigger. that I'm talking to Cordell Stewart now, I mean, I, this is a big day. This is a big day. It's going to be a great weekend. That's what I'm talking about. Keep telling that to Brian Weber. Make him understand that. No, please. I got it. I got it. I've been riding his coattails for two years, Pat. I understand who stupendous? the star is on what, this what show. What do you call that? What, what is that? Stupendous? Is that a big enough word for you, Brian? Mm. To say about how happy he is about you know hanging out with us right Pat now? Pat is loquacious. Well, I would be completely flabbergasted if nice. he did not feel electric excitement in a stupendous way about Cordell Stewart being his co-host day in and day out. Pat, thank you for being a bulliant. We love the show. Keep it going. We hope to chat with you again on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, I appreciate you guys. Cordell, thanks for the years of happiness in Pittsburgh growing up. We appreciate it. Brian, have a good one. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! The National Football League is on TuneIn. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Willie William. Country roads. Hip hop beats. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take you around the league with former NFL safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, thank you for taking the time. Got to start in the San Francisco Bay Area. Let the audience know in advance that you had a coaching internship with the 49ers this summer, but it will not influence your objective analysis. Take a step back. If I tell you a player only has seven career starts, can you really justify giving that player $74 million guaranteed against injury, as is the case with Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I know that is uh, the talk of the sports uh, world uh, today, the contract with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, we could sit and point out the uh, seven starts and say, well, that's not a large body of work. Sometimes that doesn't really make a difference. The only thing that made a difference is that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo felt that he was at home with the San Francisco 49ers. Both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch felt as though they had found the quarterback they were looking for. Uh, Brian Hoyer was not the guy. And the young guy, C.J. Beathard, uh, he, he's definitely uh, great to have at the young number two spot, and he just got some valuable experience of this season. But when a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo comes along, you have to go ahead and uh, ink a deal. You have to make it happen because uh, Cordell knows this, uh, being uh, the quarterback on, on the show, that, that that position is kind of like the premier position in the NFL, and we talk about it all the time, needing an elite passer, uh, and this being a passing league, why not have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's actually shown in his 
time as a San Francisco 49ers quarterback that he can lead a roster that may not be as talented as some of the other rosters around. And just look at what they were able to do against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm sure the team is going to sell a lot of tickets this season, knowing as though they have Jimmy Garoppolo wrapped up for five years. When you see the money that he had the opportunity to grab, uh, rightfully so, I think it's, you know, four years in the game. He's been taught by the best. He watched the best. He's been around the best. Um, when you look at what happens with Kirk Cousins and a Drew Brees, you know, how does that work for them? I mean, Drew Brees has been in the game for, you know, 12 to 13 plus years. And, and you know what he means to that community and that football team. And, but Kirk Cousins, he's had a body of work over the last three years that we can all probably say that this was a one man gang there in Washington and everyone was depending just on him. Do you see these guys being able to get that type of guaranteed money? Well, you know, as far as Drew Brees, I don't see Drew Brees going anywhere else. Uh, obviously, uh, the combination of both he and Sean Payton has worked well uh, for the both of the guys and the, uh, the franchise of being as it may. And also, you look at the fact of uh, at 14 and 15, that's where both the New Orleans Saints and the Washington Redskins actually rank as far as salary cap is concerned. You know, the Saints have $32 million to work with. And Washington has $31 million to work with. And if the Redskins brass, if the front office thought that Kirk Cousins was worth a long-term deal, they would have did it a long time ago. We saw the confidence that they had in getting a deal done or even Kirk Cousins in this uh, production on the field when they traded for Alex Smith. That, that said a lot. So when you look at the opportunity for these two quarterbacks, there's not a lot out there. There's slim pickings. And if you're Kirk Cousins, there's only so many places that you can go. To me, four teams come to mind. You have Denver, Cleveland, Arizona, and Minnesota. And right now, after uh, the blockbuster deal that Jimmy Garoppolo received yesterday, uh, Cleveland is the team with the most money in the salary cap room with $110 million. So you have to ask her cousin, I mean, do you want the money or do you want to have an opportunity to win? Because even though Cleveland has gone with the money ball, they have some picks, they have money, can you go there and be successful knowing as though you have Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Pittsburgh still is still in that division? So right now there, there is a market out there. Will those teams be willing to give you that amount of money equaling that to Jimmy Garoppolo? That is the question. But if I'm Drew Brees, it's not about trying to be the highest-paid quarterback. It's about trying to find a way to have money at the team's disposal to make your team better Overall, you got to think, this is a New Orleans Saints team that was one defensive stop away from making a trip to the Super Bowl. Cousins telling us last week on Radio Row, Minnesota, winning is his number one priority, but that's what everyone says until they have an overwhelming offer in front of them, taking you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, what happens to Nick Foles? He's got a year left on the contract. Does he go to being a backup in Philadelphia once more, or do the Eagles view him as an asset, shop him around the league? Let's say the Cardinals offer a first-round pick to the Eagles. Are they dealing Nick Foles in the offseason? Well, if I'm, if I'm the Eagles, yeah, you definitely uh, have to consider it. Look, look at what's happening right now with the Eagles organization, and we see it all the time. It happens with the players, uh, the coaches, when the team wins the Super Bowl. Their roster is being rated right now. Uh, uh, quarterback coach John DeFilippo, he now, he's now the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Frank Wright, who is the offensive coordinator, he could be interviewing for the coach job, and he takes that job. So now 
you have to say, if you're Jeffrey Lurie and, Lurie and you're the Eagles organization, we have to strike while the iron is hot. So if a lot of teams are trying to give us a top pick and maybe a pick, a first round in this year's draft and the second round next year, and I know most people say, well, why would you give up that for a guy of Nick Foles' caliber? And, I mean, he's been a star in the league. He's shown that he can step in and he can win the big game. And just looking how the offense flourished with him at the quarterback position, and he is the reigning NFL MVP. So he has a lot of negotiating power, and that's what it's about. It's about leverage. And if they can leverage, being the Eagles, an opportunity to move Nick Foles to kind of get some more picks and make that team much better, now that you're going to have a mass exodus of your coaching staff, I say you have to explore that. But Nick Foles, if I'm Nick Foles, I'm thinking, well, I would like to stay with the Eagles organization. I've proved my work. And for me, backing up Carson Wentz, and we don't really know what Carson Wentz is going to be after this injury. So he may take about five to six weeks of the regular season in 2018 to get back. But at least you know you have a fan base that believes in you. You know that you can actually go out there and execute despite all what the naysayers and pundits have said about you. So I want to stay in Philadelphia if I'm Nick Foles, but – this is out of his control. If there's leverage, there's opportunity, then he may be moved. Going back to the game a little bit, because we never really had a chance to really dive into it ever since we saw the end result, uh, Philadelphia beat New England. But when watching this, this, this Philadelphia football team, it, it's almost as if, you know, it's okay to say that they're going to have like another two- to three-year run because there's not too many players that's leaving or up for contracts other than the guys who signed one-year deals like the Chris Longs to the Le'Veon Bells uh, to the Jay Ajayis. Uh, but when you look at this, does this team deserve the opportunity when it comes to power rankings or just the thought of going back again? Should they be in the forefront of that conversation? Because they're really not losing too much of anything but a couple coaches. But the team, the nucleus of the team is still there. Well, Cordell, when you look at it, the fact you say, well, how and why was uh, the Eagles successful this season? Uh, Jim Schwartz's defense came in being one of the uh, top leading defense against the rush. Uh, you really wouldn't have known that looking at the game against the, the Patriots. But when you have a mass exodus of the coaching staff, like Frank Wright, John DiFilippo, definitely to me that's going to make that offense slip in the rankings because you're like, well, who's going to step into – that particular position. Can they now, and do they have uh, the fortitude and the acumen to actually put something together for either Nick Foles or Carson Wentz to duplicate the level of production that either quarterback was able to show on the field? And with that being a huge question mark, of course, you're going to slide just a little. And then also that defense I was just talking about, I mean, you gave up 33 points in the Super Bowl. I know we can say, well, that's Tom Brady. But you were coming in as being uh, one of the most uh, recognized and talked about defenses uh, in the postseason, and you give up and you surrender that many points. To me, that those are all big question marks, knowing as though there's a new coach uh, with the New York Giants. Uh, we, the idea is that you know that uh, with Alex Smith being the quarterback now for the Washington Redskins, their offense is going to look different. And you can expect that Jerry Jones, he's going to do something different down in Dallas. So with all those things being said within that division, yes, I think it's too premature to put the Eagles 
right there if, we, if we're talking about a power index ranking for the NFL teams. All right, but one could counter as we take you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, you got Carson Wentz coming back from the torn ACL. No guarantees, but let's say he's fully healthy. His team was top five in scoring offense and scoring defense last year, and they're young. If Howie Roseman could keep the young nucleus of talent intact, why couldn't we be looking at a team that wins another Super Bowl or two? Because we know, and Cordell knows this just as well as I do, it is hard to go to the Super Bowl back-to-back. And with the fact of you losing some uh, key components on the offensive side of the ball, to me that changes everything. Because whether you Nick Foles, uh, Nate Sudfield, or you are Carson Wentz, the fact of having three guys, quarterback guys, in your room to help you out, that, that's something that most teams don't have. And to know that two of those guys are, could be moving on if, if Frank White takes the job with the Indianapolis coach, without, which I assume that he will, to me that changes a lot as far as quarterback development and scheme and play calling, which was huge for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. Tell me this thing about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Not so much just the money per se, but when you watched him play last year in San Fran, what part of him did you say um, that this guy may be pretty special considering that this team was 1-10 before him and they finished 5-0 and with him? Well, that was just it. It's just a, a leadership. Uh, when you're playing and you're not playing that well, you need someone to come in and make plays and just make everyone else around uh, around him better, and that's what he was able to do. I mean, there was a, a certain uh, new skip and beat that the guys uh, had on both sides of the ball. And uh, when they, when the team had the opportunity to come here and play against uh, the Rams, I went to the team hotel. I mean, I mean, it was the energy was just out of the roof. I mean, the wide receivers felt as though they had to run do something extra to get open, run their routes better because they knew they had a quarterback who could get them the ball. And it was always a belief. And that's what you really need from the quarterback position. We talk about, you know, Peyton Manning. We talk about Drew Brees. And we talk about uh, Tom Brady when we talk about quarterbacks who are able to do this, make everyone around them better. And no matter what the score is, there's always this feeling that you have an opportunity to win. Go back to the last play or the fourth quarter with two, two minutes and 21 seconds in the game. We were all feeling as though the Patriots got the ball back. Tom is going to lead them down the field. That is what Jimmy G brings to the San Francisco 49ers. It's just a belief that we're in every game that we play, no matter whoever the opponent is. Go back to the Jacksonville Jaguars game last, last season. I mean, the Jags at that point, they lost to, I believe, the Tennessee Titans, and then they came back the following week to lose to the 49ers. To me, when you can go up and put up points, uh, and we can say whatever we want to say about Blake Borders, but we know the Jags' defense. Jimmy Garoppolo inspired the 49ers' offense to put up points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me, that says a lot for a guy who's playing a quarterback position, despite the fact that he's only played seven games as a starter. That, that, that says a lot. And to me, he was rewarded handsomely, but now the expectations go up, and he's going to have to deliver. Nick, great information as always. Finally, you might have heard it was cold in Minnesota. I think I lost my power to see well, so I was scanning the crowd at the Mall of America. I did not see you. Where were you last week? No, I was uh, in sunny California just kind of staying warm, and it's, I believe, 70 de- 73 degrees weather because uh, I-, I know a lot of individuals, and I'm glad you guys are healthy and okay, but I know a lot of individuals 
who decided to take that trip, but they're now dealing with the flu. No, Nick, we're so dying. You guys we we okay. have completely had a horrible week on the air because we're both deathly ill, but we couldn't turn down the opportunity to cover the Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm glad you guys are healthy. I didn't want to go. It was, it was too cold. I saw all the, Nick, uh, the photos. Nick, you like, show nah. up at every event. You went to the Pro Bowl, and you didn't go to the Super Bowl? That makes no sense, my man. Hey, hey, the Pro Bowl, it was nice and sunny, but guess what? <laughs> the Super Bowl is in Atlanta next year, uh-huh. and you will see me there. You staying with Cordell? He's got plenty of room in that spacious condo. You know what? Maybe, hey, why don't we just go ahead and do a three-minute thing? Oh, no, 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 whoa, 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 no, I I got space issues. I'll be staying by myself, but you two can work it out, and that would be a great reality show. No, no, I think it'd be great if we just stayed in our own place and just got that right. All right, Nick, you let me down, and actually you gave me a nice time killer, but we didn't have much time to kill. I was looking through every crowd going, could that be Nick? Because I knew you would be suited and booted, so I was looking for a great suit, but I did not see at the mall. Really quickly, I was definitely thinking about it, but then when I found out what the weather was going to be like for the the, the weekend, I was like, "No, nah, Nick, good. you played in Denver. You're a warrior. You weren't going to be outside shoveling snow. You could have hung out with us in Minnesota. No, nah, I've been in California too long, fellas. You're soft now, California huh? Too long. All right, <laughs> welcome to my world. You're a smart man, actually. Cordell said the best. <laughs> Forget about my bit. I'm a genius. You're astute, Nick. Good call. We'll chat with you soon. All right, guys. Take care. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn. Tune in, listeners. It's February. It's February? Yes, February. That time of year when we get ready for life after football. NBA playoffs. Two, one for the win. Yes! March Madness. Slam to ants. MLB spring training. It's gone. It's a home run. NHL playoffs. Here's a chance. Block. Rebound. Score! And the best way to celebrate February is by upgrading to TuneIn Premium so you don't miss any of the great moments in sports. Commercial free with TuneIn. You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL, No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in former agent and CBS Sports business analyst, Joel Corey. Joel, thanks for taking the time. Take us back to yesterday. What was your reaction when you heard the mega deal that Garoppolo had received from the 49ers? Uh, First, I was surprised the deal was done this quickly. I originally thought the timetable would be after the franchise tag deadline, uh, March 6th, before anything would get done. And then I thought that maybe they would wait to see what happened with Kirk Cousins to see if he got some sort of deal which weighs the bar more than this deal does and tried to come in under that one. But apparently San Francisco put their best foot forward and I always said as an agent, if you can get the deal you want with a structure that you're satisfied with, you go ahead and do the deal regardless of what may happen in the marketplace afterwards. Joe, when you look at how the the value of quarterbacks have gone over the years, how do you really put it in a box? Because there's really no box when it comes to the value of a quarterback to certain organizations. You know, sometimes you slot them, of course, when it comes to drafts. You sometimes slot them when it comes to free agency. Uh, But the way it looks right now, starting off with Andrew Luck with his 87 million bucks guarantee. Now Jimmy Garoppolo, seven games where he had a chance to start – and he's won all games, he gets $74 million guaranteed. 
How do you now moving forward with the Kirk Cousins, with the Drew Breeses, with the Aaron Rodgers, how do you gauge the worth or the value of these players with these prospective teams? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the quarterback market is finally starting to increase at a rate it should. It remained pretty stagnant after Aaron Rodgers signed his deal in 2013. The Needle really didn't move until Andrew Luck in 2016. So I think we're now having a little catch-up from where the deals didn't escalate. Now when you have a guy who started five games become the highest-paid player, that's something that the more established quarterbacks look at, and they have to be looking their chops. To me, Kirk Cousins was pretty good for three years as a starter, so that gives him justification to try to get some team, if he's an unrestricted free agent, to pay him $30 million per year. If not him, Matt Ryan's probably going to need a contract extension this offseason. If he chooses to go out and try to maximize his value, he could be the guy. And Aaron Rodgers historically has gotten contracts with two years left on his deal. That's where he'll be this offseason. I will be shocked if he's not in a $30 million per year club if those other two don't get there. Joel, do you think one of those names you mentioned, let's say for the sake of this conversation, Aaron Rodgers, could make history and say, forget about voidable years. I want the total deal to be fully guaranteed. I want the NBA structure here in the NFL. At some point, somebody's going to do that with a quarterback of that type of caliber. You really have to fall off of a cliff not to play through your contracts. I'm not sure for a quarterback and the discount you'd have to give to get the fully guaranteed contract, it would be worth it for for an Aaron Rodgers. Maybe for a Kirk Cousins, that may make more sense if he can do that, particularly if he's not going to get the dollars he thinks he's going to get. That would be a way to distinguish the contract. But for an Aaron Rodgers, I think he's going to he's probably going to go out and maximize the money, whatever that may be, because the likelihood that he plays through the contract is greater than it is for most other players. Joe, you mentioned the word maximize. Um, when you look at Nick Foles and his position that he's in, how does he maximize his opportunity after becoming the MVP of the Super Bowl? Well, part of it is going to depend on what Philadelphia wants to do, because he is under contract through next season. He's going to make $7 million. If they're comfortable that Carson Wentz is going to be able to play opening day and play effectively, then they're probably going to look to move him maybe to Minnesota since his quarterback coach, John Filippo is now the offensive coordinator. Um, maybe they'll be able to get a King's ransom for him given the, the uh, lack of quality quarterbacks, even though this year you're going to have more in the market than before. So it's all going to depend on what Philadelphia – potentially could get for him, and two, Wentz's health. I think if he does get moved, he's he may be in a position to parlay that into a $20 million per year extension. Chatting with Joel Corey from CBSSports.com. Joel, as a former agent, what would you make of the financial component of the Alex Smith trade to Washington? Not only the amount of guaranteed money, but the number of years. I don't think the number of years are really that outrageous, given the fact that he's 33, 34, and he had a couple of quarterbacks from the 2008 draft class um, in 2015 around the same age signed four-year extensions. The good thing is that he's getting a nice raise out of that. He was scheduled to make $17 million. He's gonna, the new money is going to average like $23.5 million. Compared to what they were going to have to pay Kirk Cousins, the Redskins – Got a pretty good bargain, even though there's seven, supposedly $71 million in overall guarantees. 
since the deal hasn't been finalized yet until he can be traded first day of the league year on March 14th, we don't know exactly how much is fully guaranteed at signing, which is most important. And I'm going to peg that at somewhere between 45 and 50 million. That's a lot of money. How do you deal with Case Keenum? Do you give him an opportunity to get big money, or, or you just play the game of let's just give him a three-year deal worth 25, let's just say 45 million bucks, or some to that extent? Do you give him a big deal? No, if I'm Minnesota, I might just stick a transition tag on him for 21 million. Because um, if you have him sitting there on the cap for 21 million, you can match anything, and that gives you the flexibility to decide if you want to go forward on whatever offer a team makes, and they would have to do something pretty special to deter you from matching. That would also buy you more time to see if this past season was an anomaly or what you see from Keenum on a go-forward basis. As we think about the wide receiver position, if Des Bryant is not perceived to be a number one anymore, and I think that's a fair assessment, how do the Cowboys approach his contract moving forward? He said he's not going to take a pay cut, so this could be interesting <laughs> whether you can uh, get him to stay there for a reduced salary. The one thing that will happen if they approach him from a pay cut is his agent is going to circle around the teams and survey the lay of the land to see what makes the most sense. If he thinks that whatever the proposed pay cut is, he could get more from another team, then he's going to rebuff those alternatives or their overtures. If not, then he's going to be more likely to play ball with Dallas. Um, so we'll see whether he's in a Dallas uniform or not, but I don't think he's got tremendous trade value given his salaries, like $2.5 million for the next two years, and his production has been closer to a number two receiver than a number one receiver since he signed the contract. How, how about Le'Veon Bell? You know, Le'Veon Bell is, last year was, was in position to – try to get something big, but they gave him a franchise tag. Do you think the Steelers go out of their way to make sure that he's good? And also, there, there's conversation about extending Ben Roethlisberger for maybe for a couple more years. Personally, I would not pay Le'Veon Bell. I would franchise him second time at $14.5 million, set an all-time record for touches for him, have him, give him 500 touches this year, run him into the ground, draft a replacement, and let somebody else pay him when you're probably going to have diminishing returns for him. Last year, they gave him an offer of $12 million per year. Pittsburgh does deals which never have the type of guaranteed money in them as other teams, so that's a constraint you're going to have to live within. The running back market has fallen off of a cliff the past couple of years. You have Devonta Freeman, highest-paid running back in a long-term deal at $8.25 million a year. That's less than what Steven Jackson got 10 years ago. So Bell has a lot of things working against him. He's coming off of a very good year, so his price tag's probably going to go up. Seems like Pittsburgh's been a little receptive to trying to get something done. Personally, I wouldn't. With Roethlisberger, it's kind of interesting to me that he's now no longer in the Brett Favre, I may retire, retire mode, and he could conceivably play until his late 30s. If you're going to extend him and get cap relief from him, you're probably going to have to put him in that same neighborhood as the Matt Ryans, Aaron Rodgers of the world, which is what they've done in the past two extensions, made him second-highest paid player each time. So that's going to cost a pretty penny if they do so. Joel Corey of CBSSports.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Joel, last one for me. What can you tell us about the details of A.J. McCarron's arbitration case? And if he wins it, what's the marketplace looking like for him as a free agent? 
Well, this comes down to simply one thing. Um, was he put on the non-football injury list appropriately, which right now is costing him a year of service for free agency? If he was supposed to be on injured reserve, he gets the year of service for free agency, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. If he's restricted, Cincinnati's probably going to put a first-round tender on him for a little over $4 million, maybe try to move him um, at that point. Um, he's got to be one of those bridge deal type quarterbacks, given he hasn't played in the past two years, even though he should have a playoff win to his belt. Uh, I would look at him as that Mike Glennon type range on a two, three year deal, 45 million over three years. If he is an unrestricted free agent, Joe, we appreciate the insights. Thanks for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Sure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.